please join us in our call to worship? Who will reveal God's truth, that the truth that endures for eternity? Christ, Christ the Lord who came to save. If we hold fast to our faith in him, his truth will set us free. The first reading is John eight thirty one through 32. To the Jews who have believed him, Jesus said, If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. In the second reading, 2 John 1, 8 through 10. Watch yourselves, so that you do not lose what we have worked for, that you may be fully rewarded. Anyone who runs ahead without remaining in the teaching of Christ does not have God. Whoever remains in his teaching has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you but does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home or even greet him. Advent is a season of hope and expectation of Christ coming again. Today's scriptures from the Gospel of John and John's second epistle remind us that there is an ultimate truth and that this truth is found in Jesus Christ alone. Most of the world rejects this claim. Many believe that truth is arbitrary, that truth changes depending upon the situation, that truth cannot be found in any one religion or faith or person. Yet Jesus, in John's Gospel, says he is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the light of the world, and in him, eternal truth incarnate, we will be set free from the slavery of our sin. Let us hold fast to the truth we have found in Jesus, even when the contrary winds of human wisdom buffet us. Let us remain in him as he has promised to remain in us if we are faithful. During Advent, we've been looking at uh, the different ways that uh, Jesus has identified what are called the I am statements in the Gospel of John. Uh, The Gospel of John talks a lot about truth, and today we're looking at the statement where Jesus says, uh, the truth shall make you free. Last week we looked at the statement when Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. And uh, some of these statements, if you really read the Gospel of John with our contemporary modern ears, Jesus doesn't quite sound like the Jesus most people in popular media portray him to be. He doesn't sound quite as nice at times. He sometimes calls people children of the devil. <laughs> he's, he's very clear on what he is saying. And I had somebody uh, this week, I was a little bit what do I do with this? Uh, they sent a message after the sermon last week, and, uh, uh, and I realize this is a season where we want to be jolly, and we like very uh, kind of nostalgic sermons and stories and go out feeling good on Sunday mornings. Uh, and I'm not opposed to joy and laughter, obviously. I, I love to laugh. It's the only way you can get through this world. I think it's a gift God gives us. At the same time, uh, the message I received, it was very brief, but very direct, and said that the, the message last, last Sunday, that they felt that I was not very Methodist in the message. 
And, uh, and I'll just leave it at that. There were a couple of other things. They didn't like my tie, you know, but no. Uh, but they didn't uh, think the message was very Methodist and that I was showing my roots. Now, this person understands, and anybody who's ever listened to me knows, uh, I became a Methodist a little over 30 years ago, a United Methodist. Uh, before that, I grew up in and was part of non-denominational churches that were very strict about Scripture and how we follow Scripture. The one I grew up in as a young child, we didn't even have a, a piano because the Bible doesn't mention a piano. So that was the sort of strictness there. And as I grew over the years, I came to a point in my young adulthood where I saw a sense of legalism there that was a bit disturbing to me that had gone too far. And I wanted to go to a church that exhibited some grace, and it emphasized more God's love, and also had a system of accountability where pastors and persons who had leadership positions were accountable to other pastors and district superintendents and others for their actions and words. And so uh, that those were the roots that this person was referring to, those roots where I was maybe at a church that was too much into the Bible. And what they said was that they had become a Methodist because there were very few things that we had to agree on. So when I responded to them, I tried to be gracious and appreciated the feedback. But I said, but I have one question. Is that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him? Is that one of those things we need to agree on? Because I knew what they were getting at were my statements saying that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. And so I, I said that, you know, I, I, I talked about, at least in one of the services, the sermon changes between services, about that very often we've heard, we probably all have heard at one time, that all religions worship the same God which is a ridiculous statement. Otherwise, we wouldn't have different religions. we just all come together. It's the same God. And that we teach the same things. Again, ridiculous statement because, obviously, if you know anything about other religions, I've worshipped in the, or not worshipped with, but have participated in a Hindu temple worship service, a time when they come together. Uh, you know, I've had Muslim neighbors when we lived in northern Virginia who we had long discussions with. I invite the Mormons into my house. I'm very interested in the differences and the similarities between religions, but I believe that the statement that Jesus made, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes by, by, to the Father but by me, stands as it is. Those words of Jesus are very clear. And so I didn't mean in any way to put down people of other faith. I think I tried to make that clear or to say that we should be hateful towards people of other faith, that should not, should not love them, should not cooperate with them. But when we cooperate, when we are among them, when we're working side by side with them in good things, we need to be very clear that we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but by him. Because otherwise, what we have done is for the sake of not being offensive, we have removed the offensiveness of the gospel. And the scriptures tell us that the gospel is offensive. It, you know, I, I could start quoting to you a lot of scriptures around that. But Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword, that families will be divided because of me. 
Jesus said, the world will hate you because of me. So, so, like I say, I could go on and on with those scriptures. But somehow we have gotten the idea that in order to be a big tent inclusive church, we have to somehow avoid statements such as Jesus made in John fourteen six. that might sound to people like we don't believe that their religion is just as good as our religion. I'm a follower of Christ because I believe him. I believe what he says, and I believe he tells us to go into all the world to share the gospel because it's important for other people to hear that good news of Jesus Christ and to hear that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Otherwise, if it doesn't really matter, if it isn't true, why do we go into all the world to share it? So I just wanted to share that with you so that you're clear where I, where I stand on this. And, and also where, and this is the last part of this, and then we'll move on, where the United Methodist Church stands on because the statement, you're, you weren't very Methodist. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, what are called the Articles of Religion. They're included in our Book of Discipline. They go back to the very origins of the Methodist Church. They are based out of the Anglican Church, so they go back you know, many hundreds of years. But here's, here's uh, just a couple of things that are said there. Article 5, on the sufficiency of the Holy Scriptures for, for salvation. This is sort of like if you go to a community or non-denominational church, you might go to their website and they say, we believe these things. Well, here's what we believe about the Holy Scriptures. The Holy Scriptures contain all things necessary to salvation. And then, everlasting life is offered to mankind by Christ, who is the only mediator between God and man, being both God and man. And so all things that are sufficient for salvation are found nowhere else but within the Holy Scriptures. And Jesus is the only mediator between God and man. And so I just want to say I believe I was fully within Methodist doctrine and teaching about that. But what I think has happened over time is many of us have left the roots of Methodism and what Methodists used to teach for the sake of being an egalitarian uh, uh, uniting force in the world that says we all just believe the same thing. And uh, if that was true, I wouldn't have given my life to answer a call to be a pastor. It wouldn't have been worth it. But what the gospel is worth to all of us, what salvation in Jesus Christ is worth, there's no greater call in the world for me than to be a pastor and to preach this. So I want to... Uh, to just bring that to you, and, and, and uh, if anybody else had had any similar thoughts around statements I made. Um, now, to lighten things up, I thought it might be good to share with you a story. <laughs> okay. uh, I think most of us can sympathize uh, with the man, at least uh, most of the men here can sympathize with them. Men don't get a lot of sympathy from women, but... <laughs> He received a call from his wife just as about uh, just before she was about to fly home from Europe, and their first question was, "How's my cat?" And he said, "Dead." And she replied, "Oh, honey, don't be so honest. Why didn't you break the news to me slowly? You've ruined my trip." He said, "What do you mean?" And she replied, you could have told me he was on the roof, and then when I called you from Paris, you could have told me he was acting sluggish. And then when I called from London, you could have said he was sick, and then when I called from New York, you could have said that he was at the vet. 
And then when I arrived home, you could have said he was dead. But instead, you ruined my trip by telling me now. Now, the husband had never been exposed to such protocol, never been trained in this way, but he was willing to learn. Okay, he said, I'll do better next time. And then his wife said, by the way, how's mom? <laughs> there was a long silence, and then he replied, uh, she's on the roof. Now, who do you depend on when you want to know the truth, the capital T truth? And by the way, in Scripture, truth is always a singular word. It's never talked about in the plural, as in truths, as if there were different truths. It's always truth. When you depend upon knowing the truth, who do you rely upon? Uh, Perhaps your spouse. But that's not always a reliable source. Perhaps your doctor, you would hope so, but sometimes doctors, they don't know exactly what's going on with you. They need more tests, and sometimes they misread the test results. And then there are politicians. Well, we won't go there. But who do you depend upon to know truth, to know what is the truth of this life? And the purpose for me being here. And where I'm going from here. The fact is that even the people who love you most might sometimes fudge the truth to spare your feelings. Or to keep peace. Or they may themselves be unsure about what is true. We human beings have a love-hate relationship with truth, don't we? Sometimes we love it when it clears the air of chaos, but at the same time, we hate it when somebody reveals a truth that we had shared with them in confidence, and suddenly they've gone and spread it to everybody. The truth is a, is a tricky thing when it's handled by human beings. Uh, if we go back into the Old Testament, we see right at the beginning, what is the first thing that happens? in the Garden of Eden, after everything has been created and God is with Adam and Eve, what's the first thing that happens? A serpent comes and tells Eve a lie. And Eve shares the lie with Adam. And it all goes downhill from there. And then we we go all through the Scripture, and, and, and there are a lot of lies being told and deceits being told, and God alone is the one who is that pillar of truth. And we come to Jesus on trial before Pilate. And what does Pilate say to Jesus? He says, what is truth? Which is a revealing statement by Pilate. Now, this is written 2,000 years ago, long before we've gotten into our day and time when people believe there are alternate truths and alternate facts and that there are many truths out there and it doesn't matter which truth you choose. Every truth is good enough. For, if it's good enough for you, it's, that's okay. You don't have to believe my truth. So we, now we have plural truths. But Pilate says, what is truth? And you see, even in the time of Jesus, people lived in a time when they weren't sure about moral truth or objective truth, scientific truth. All those things were kind of out there, but nobody was sure. And so everybody was sort of saying, well, maybe there isn't a singular truth. 
But Jesus stood in front of Pilate, and what was he? He was truth incarnate, the truth in the flesh. So during these four weeks of Advent, as we've been looking at the different statements about Jesus today, we're looking at the incarnate truth, Jesus, the embodiment of truth, truth walking beside us, living among us, living now within us. There's a great movie called Galaxy Quest. Uh, I believe I I showed it here. I think I showed it to the youth group one time. Uh, It's a a movie about an alien race of creatures from the farthest uh, corners of the galaxy. And they one day come to Earth. And they visit the cast of a show called Galaxy Quest. And through... The magic of space and the uh, waves, television waves, traveling throughout the galaxy, they have captured those television waves. They have seen the show Galaxy Quest. They have seen that the crew of, of, uh, on Galaxy Quest are intrepid and brave and courageous and smart. And these aliens, their planet is under attack, so they need the cast of Galaxy Quest to help them defend their planet. Now, here's the thing. This race has no concept of lying. They only operate in truth. They have no concept of fiction. So when they see what these people are doing week after week on television, they believe they can really do it. Wouldn't it be nice to live in a world where you could believe everybody and trust everyone? And unfortunately, in this world, we have a division. We have the world, as we know it, and everyone in it. And we know that we can't trust each other. Even sometimes the people who are closest to us, there might be conditions and times and situations where we're not quite sure if they're telling us the full truth. And then we have a choice over here, Jesus Christ saying, I am the truth. I am the way. I am the life. And you can come to the Father through me. Those are our choices. We can operate in this world of deceit and lies, or we can put our lives over with Jesus and say, I'm willing to stake everything on you as being the truth. That is the choice that, that we have in the world. And, and it's an interesting thing because so often when we're talking about truth, we're talking about whether or not it's a sin to tell a lie. You know, uh, we kind of bring it down to, to ourselves and say, well, when we're talking about truth, we're talking about those choices we make, whether to lie or tell the truth. But in actuality, when the scriptures talk about truth and when John talks about truth, they're talking about a person, Jesus Christ. And when Jesus says uh, that Uh, You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. What is he talking about? Anybody ever wonder about that? You ever been up to uh, Union Station in D.C.? That's the words that you see on the building and other buildings in different cities. You might see these words, and the truth shall make you free. What does that mean to most people when they're walking by? It may just mean that truth is a freeing, liberating thing, that there are times when you finally know the truth, you feel liberated. But that's not what Jesus was talking about. You shall know the truth, that singular incarnated truth in the flesh standing in front of you, and this truth, this person will set you free. And how does he do it? Through the cross. 
through the cross of Jesus Christ. And what does he set us free from? He sets us free from the penalty of death, eternal death, from the penalties of sin. That's what he's setting us free from. He's setting us free from the curse. We, we sing about that in Joy to the World, and we sing about in other uh, hymns, especially the, that Charles Wesley, that early Methodist, uh, uh, those hymns, great hymns that he wrote, O Four Thousand Tongues to Sing. Most of his hymns mention something about the curse. What is he talking about? He's talking about the curse of sin and all the pain and the grief that it brings into the world, and Jesus sets us free from it. He is the truth who can set us, set us free. And so I'm not apologetic about this truth. I know that for me in my life, the one truth that has always been there has been Jesus Christ. I know that the one truth that has helped me to see the way forward is Jesus Christ. I know the one truth who gives me hope of what is to come is Jesus Christ. And so I don't apologize for this in any way. You know, when Jesus said this, uh, he was talking to a group of people, and they were very upset with him about the things he was saying. And obviously, many of them were probably part of the crowd that just three years into his ministry, he only had a three-year ministry at the most. You realize I've been in ministry 20 years. I have been trying to make people angry enough to at least throw something at me, and it's only happened once or twice. Joy was one of them. Okay. You remember I showed the video. We had it on video. She hit me over the head with the, with the book. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so, again, this truth comes into the world, and the world was not willing to accept that truth. In John chapter 1, in the first, first chapter of John, it says, The world saw the light but did not accept the light. And Jesus eventually makes them so mad with this that they crucify him. So why in the world would we think that today the world would accept what we preach if we were preaching exactly what the scriptures say about Jesus? Why would they accept that without being sometimes offended or angry? And you know, in those countries in the world where Christianity is growing the fastest, in places like China, in places like Africa, where in Africa you have, you have religions that are living right together and, 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 and people who very often kill because of their religion and will kill Christians because of their religion and burn churches down. And in China there is great persecution of Christians going. But those are the places where the gospel, the purest form of the gospel of the truth of Jesus Christ is being preached. Because they understand that if the church is ever going to grow, the church has to grow on the, on the foundation of truth and not simply trying to accommodate or become popular with the world. The, uh, I'll skip all these pages here. Have mercy upon you. So these are the things that, that I, I believe the scriptures, just to wind this up, tell us about truth. That Number one, truth is divine. It comes from God. There is no truth that comes except from God. That truth is absolute. Without God, there cannot be absolutes. Now, I think any philosopher in the world today would tell you, unless you can believe in a divine being who sets truth for you, that there, it is impossible to determine truth in this world, that all truth is relative. 
And so because God gives us the truth in Jesus Christ, truth is absolute. Third, truth is singular, and I've already already shared uh, that with you, that the Bible almost always uses the definite article, definite article, singular, when speaking of truth. Truth can never merely be a truth as if it exists in fragments from various sources. And then lastly, that truth is objective. It's not subjective. It is not discovered by personal feelings, nor determined by private intuitions. And I believe in this world, in this generation today, that's the way most people determine truth, by their feelings and emotions. And feelings and emotions come and go. The truth does not. I'll just share uh, one, one last thought with you, and that is, how do we study the Bible? How do we go to the Bible? I'm going to flip back real quick to that, because I wrote down some thoughts about this. How do we access God's truth in the Bible so that the truth lives within us? A lot of people say, I go to the Bible, but I don't understand it. And I, I, here's what I said uh, last night, writing late. I said, first, I believe that God's word is not a private interpretation. In other words, I cannot impose my will on God's word and its meaning. I cannot impose my will, my private feelings, on God's word and its meaning. meaning. Remember, the Bible is not subjective, it's objective. When I go to the Bible, I know that it contains ultimate truth. When I come to it, though, I am a wounded sinner. I come with my prejudices and my preferences And I come with a skewed perspective. It's very important we all recognize that. And if I come with a kneeling, humbled heart, if I come in sincere repentance and prayer, earnestly seeking truth, then the Spirit of Jesus Christ, the Spirit of truth, will open God's Word to me. Now, I may not fully understand the depths of that Scripture's meanings, but God will make sure that I understand enough for this day, this moment, this opportunity. Even this predicament, God will reveal to me what I need to know. And I've said this a thousand times. Every time I go to the Bible, people say, well, if you've read the Bible through once, why do you have to keep going back and studying and studying? It's amazing how, especially as I'm preparing for a sermon, I see something that I never saw before. It's a scripture I've I've read a thousand times, and suddenly there is something there that God has revealed. And so God's truth, the depths of that truth, in that book, the Bible, I'm so thankful that I grew up in churches that taught the scriptures. And the United Methodist Church is a church that when we are at our best, we honor and teach the holy scriptures, and we teach Jesus as the way, the truth, and the life. And amen. Let us pray. Father, we come filled with doubts filled with unbelief. We come struggling, Lord, because our human will and our human feelings sometimes are are pulling us so hard in another direction from your word. But we pray this morning, Father, that we would build our lives on the solid rock of Jesus Christ and him alone. The incarnate word, truth in the flesh, truth in the flesh that can lead us through this life and into eternity with you. And in his name we pray, and amen.